ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ಸ್ ಟು ವೇದಾಂತ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಬೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಶ್ರೀ ಸಚ್ಚಿದಾನಂದೇಂದ್ರ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ಸ್ವಾಮೀಜಿ ಹೊಳೆ ನರಸೀಪುರ ಕರ್ನಾಟಕ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಲೆಕ್ಚರ್ ಸೀರೀಸ್ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಸೀನ್ ಟೆನ್ ಸೆಷನ್ಸ್ ಟು ಡೇಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದಿ ಇಲೆವೆಂತ್ ಸೆಷನ್ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗಣೇಶಾಯ ನಮಃ ಡಾಕ್ಟರ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣಮೂರ್ತಿ ಶಾಸ್ತ್ರಿ ದಂಬೆ ಪುಣಚ ಬಂಟ್ವಾಳ ತಾಲೂಕು ದಕ್ಷಿಣ ಕನ್ನಡ ಜಿಲ್ಲೆ ಕರ್ನಾಟಕ ಭಾರತ ವೇದಾಂತಿನ್ಸ್ ಮೀಟ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ ಐ ಆಮ್ ವೆರಿ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ಟು ಅಂಡರ್ಟೇಕ್ ದಿ ಎಡಿಟಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಕಲೆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ರಿಬ್ಯೂಷನ್ಸ್ ಬೈ ವಿದ್ವಾನ್ಸ್ ರಿಟರ್ನ್ ಇನ್ ರೆಸ್ಪಾನ್ಸ್ ಟು ಮೈ ಅಪೀಲ್ ಟು ಥಾಟ್ಫುಲ್ ವೇದಾಂತಿನ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಗೋಸ್ ವಿದೌಟ್ ಸೇಯಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ ಈಚ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ರೈಟರ್ಸ್ ಈಸ್ ಪರ್ಸನಲಿ ರೆಸ್ಪಾನ್ಸಿಬಲ್ ಫಾರ್ ಈಸ್ ಓನ್ ವ್ಯೂಸ್ ಇನ್ ದಿ ಮ್ಯಾಟರ್ ಮೈ ಪೋರ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ವರ್ಕ್ ದರ್ ಫೋರ್ ಲೇ ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ಲಿ ಇನ್ ಪ್ರಿಪೇರಿಂಗ್ ದಿ ಮನು ಸ್ಕ್ರಿಪ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ದಿ ಪ್ರೆಸ್ ವಿತ್ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಸಚ್ ಎಡಿಷನ್ಸ್ ಆಸ್ ವುಡ್ facilitated ready reference to the corresponding questions raised in the appeal for the same reason the pamphlet itself has been bodily reproduced here at the very commencement an english summary of each article has been prefixed for the convenience of those readers who being more conversant with the english would like to have some aid in following the train of thought adopted in the original contributions A single exception to this self-imposed limitation has been the article of Shastra Ratnakara, Brahmashri Polagam Shri Rama Shastrigal, that learned Pandit whose opinion was most needed in this connection did not deign to send us his valued contribution in spite of repeated requests and I had no alternative but to make relevant extracts from his extensive introduction to the Panchapadika in editing which the Shastrigal has devoted nearly 100 pages to questions kindred to those mooted in my pamphlet circulated for this symposium. In fact, a considerable portion of that introduction is taken up to expose the fallacies which, in the opinion of that scholar, I myself have committed in my writings. What is more, I have even been charged with having plagiarized the views expressed in the laghu manjusha of nagesha bhatta in these circumstances i have felt it incumbent on me to re- review the opinion of shri shastrigal under each head and give out my own genuine views so as to leave no doubt whatever in the minds of readers regarding my position it is a maxim of ancient teachers that doubts and misconceptions are dispelled and truth fully revealed through discussion with those proficient in any particular branch of knowledge acting on that principle i shall try here to clarify my position by stating my impression of shankara's system in somewhat greater detail than i have done in the appeal prefixed one adhyasa superimposition is nothing but mistaking one thing for another and avidya as shankara has defined it in so many words is the mutual superimposition of the self the only reality and the not self there is no other ignorance worth the name which according to shankara is directly sublated by vidya or the discriminative knowledge of the self as it is doubt and misconception are it is true also comprehended in the connotation connotation of the term and are sometimes even expressly stated to be such but since no human thought process is possible without the presupposition of adhyasa this later is preeminently entitled to be called avidya 
therefore those who imagine that the object superimposed is primarily meant by the term avidya and it is that which has got to be removed by true knowledge not only do violence to shankara's words but also dis- disregard a fact of nature and even common sense in as much as no one believes that the apparent silver in the nacre has got to be removed first by the true knowledge of nacre and not one's own false notion of it it is universally accepted second one by vedantins that in shankara's system knowledge is the one means of summum bonum of life and upanishads expressly say so shankara avers that knowledge wipes off all ignorance or adhyasa the source of all ills of life and it goes without saying that knowledge can dispel nothing else than subjective ignorance it is therefore clear that thinkers who assert that the source of all ills spoken of by shankara is the mula vidya alone have to maintain their position only by going against the express statement of shankara and shrutis and quietly ignoring the essential nature of knowledge which can never destroy existing things third one shankara's very proposition that upanishadic knowledge of brahman is meant for the annihilation of adhyasa is sufficient in itself to convince anyone that the bhashyakara never thought of tracing adhyasa to its cause for no one could think of going in search of ignorance after it has been blotted out and no one is conscious of his ignorance while he is in its grip in its grip but it is no mere guess by which one has to infer that shankara does not demand a cause for avidya for he definitely announces that adhyasa is beginningless nor could one think of a beginning to it since even time even time is a creation of adhyasa and causal relation is inconceivable without the presupposition of time no doubt shankara does declare that all superimposition derives its breath from non discrimination but it is self evident that he is not thinking of a temporal relation between non discrimination aviveka and superimposition he only means to say that adhyasa disappears as soon as discriminative knowledge dawns Upanishads are never tired of declaring that the individual self as well as all this apparent universe is really brahman and nothing else it is therefore nothing but a wild goose chase to start in pursuit of a cause for adhyasa fourth one such being the cause illustrations like that of the silver in the nacre or the rope in the snake interspersed in shankara's commentaries meant as they are to contrast truth with error only imply that false appearances being only the figment of ignorance cease to impose themselves upon us the uh, moment the real nature of their substrate is ascertained these appearances in themselves are neither born nor destroyed by true knowledge in fact they never exist in any way as entities for they are merely thought constructs it is therefore so much labor lost to enter into speculation about the nature cause and process of birth or destruction of these false appearances fifth one the seed form of the universe known by several names such as avyakta akshara 
avyakrata akasha prakriti and so on is only the object of inference based upon the false conception of duality this seed evolving itself into the individual aggregate of the body and the senses lends itself to the mutual superimposition of the self and the not self it is this superimposition as we have already seen which is known by the name of avidya in shankara's system while the inferred seed of all phenomena including the aggregate of the body and the senses is called by the significant name of maya false appearance due to ignorance in bhagavad gita where the terminology of the sankhyas has also been pressed into service it is observed that the purusha staying in prakriti enjoys the gunas born of prakriti and the reason for his being reborn in good bad or indifferent lives in his clinging to the gunas shankara explains this as meaning that the superimposition of prakriti or maya and purusha as well as this um, resultant desire is at the bottom of all empirical life thus according to shankara avidya being the occasion of the appearance of the not self and the uh, ruinous identification of the self with it should not be confounded with avyakrata prakriti or maya which is only an illusory appearance sixth one man generally regards himself as an individual possessed of an aggregate of body and senses and consequently passing through the waking dream and deep sleep it is owing to this natural superimposition that he is an agent and experiencer of the fruits of his actions from the higher standpoint however where he shakes himself of his aggregate by discrimination he has never tainted by these so called states from that thought proposition therefore it is not at all in point to ask whether there is avidya in sleep for what question can there be of avidya in sleep when sleep itself ceases to have any meaning this argument applies pari passu to the series of birth subsistence and death as well as to that of origination sustentation and dissolution of the world as a matter of fact these states even while they appear are shot through and th- shot through and through with the pure consciousness of the self and are no entities apart from it seventh as a concession to empirical view however vedantins adopt the common sense view of the states of consciousness and try to take the enquirer step by step to the realization of truth to this end they teach that the individual self senses duality in waking in the dream state it is aware of apparent phenomena presented by waking impressions where uh, whereas in deep sleep it is perfectly obvious oblivious not merely of external objects but even of itself asked to account for this uh, total absence of consciousness the vedantin offers a twofold answer based on the shruti jiva is such only so long as he is related to the to a mind and that relation being the effect of avidya is never quite blotted out except by the knowledge of reality now consciousness is possible only when this is manifest as in waking or dream and is therefore out of question when it is latent as in sleep that jiva is not altogether free from the limitation of the mind even in that condition 
can be verified from the circumstance that no sooner one wakes from sound sleep can he uh, than he becomes aware of the manifold world thus far thus far the answer is from the thought position of deliberate attribution adhyarupa of states to jiva the other answer is from the transcendental standpoint the individual self is never other than the real self which is ever free even while jiva appears to be invested with the aggregate of the body and the senses he remains the untainted witness of it all since he can freely shake off that disguise as he passes on to the dream state where he can be least suspected to be affected by the illusory surroundings the so called deep sleep reveals his true nature in all its completeness for according to shruti he is wholly merged as it were in pure consciousness or brahman which knows no second to conceive the self in sleep as ignorant uh, is altogether a delusive notion since sleep trance and other kindred states by their very nature shut out all possibility of either knowledge or error nor can one be said to be unconscious in that state if state it were for of what possibly possibly could one be said to be unconscious where there is absolutely nothing else than the self shrutis therefore rightly proclaim being consciousness itself he is not conscious of another for there is no other distinct from him of which he could be possibly aware an examination of the so called three states therefore discloses ourselves to be altogether free from all states the eternally pure consciousness ever free from all bondage of samsara that is birth and death that we pass through the three states of consciousness that we appear to age die and are born again and that there is creation sustentation and dissolution of the world is an inborn delusion of the human mind which can be overcome only by the dawn of vedantic enlightenment in the mandukya upanishad and gaudapada's karikas thereon with shankara's bhashya another method of the examination of the three states can be seen waking and dream are first shown to be equal in all respects thus a denying all claims of waking to a superior degree of reality the three states appearing and disappearing as they do each state wiping out the other two are then shown to lose every claim to reality in the metaphysical sense of the term atman or our real self the who maintains his self identity unaffected by the appearance or disappearance of the states is thus clearly seen to be the only entity that is really real eighth one to sum up the only avidya in shankara's vedanta is mutual identification and the mistaken transference of the properties of the real self and the unreal not self which may be illustrated by the instance of the mis- misconceiving a rope to be a snake all human pr- uh, proceeding whether secular or sacred is prompted by and is wholly within the sphere of his this avidya man is ignorant lured by the sense objects and acts and reaps the fruit of his actions within the field of this avidya that he reverts to a more discriminating and considerate mode of life and acting upon the advice of vedanta and a wise uh, teacher gets enlightenment and realizes his unalienable identity with brahman is also within the purview of this avidya 
throughout his career extrovert or introvert avidya alone is responsible for all the display of his activities through the individual himself never suspects it until he finally emerges from the somnambulism by knowing the truth taught by vedanta hence it has been most aptly called the avyakta unmanifest in the katha upanishad text mahatav param avyaktam the unmanifest is greater than even the great living self in a secondary sense the primordial matter the potential seed form of the world undifferentiated into names and forms is also called avyakta since it is unmanifest as compared with the manifold world and since it is harder to define as either identical with or distinct from the self moreover it is also called avyakta or akshara imperishable just to distinguish it from the supreme self which is metaphysically the subtlest principle transcending all that is knowable and perishable incidentally it may be remarked that shankara always styles this primordial matter prakriti by the significant name maya but never by the name of avidya or any other synonym of ignorance and conversely he invariably calls the mutual superimposition of the self and the not self by the name of avidya or some equivalent of it but we do not meet with any instance where it is called maya coming down to the commentaries we see that this rule is observed more in the breadth now more in the breach than in practice in the school of mulavidya theory where the law of causation takes precedence of the principle of truth and error this usage is of course justifiable but can we use the terms maya and avidya indiscriminately even while strictly adhering to shankara's adhyasavada this question has been neither posed nor critically considered in any vedantic discussion so far as i am aware swami ji says shri shri sachidanandendra saraswati swami ji hodanarsi pura i shall therefore venture my own opinion in the matter and leave the readers to judge for themselves in so far as maya or prakriti is a figment of avidya proper i think that one is perfectly justified in calling it avidya in a secondary sense just as one may say this is all his foolery meaning thereby the result of that person's foolish pranks and conversely in so far as avidya is regarded as a function of the mind and is included in the world of names and forms it may be also called maya meaning thereby an illusory appearance but keeping in mind the fact that avidya primarily denotes a species of knowledge and maya an illusory object we cannot but exclusively follow shankara's practice in using the terms if we do not wish to confuse the minds of our readers one thing however should be clearly borne in mind all this distinction of vidya and avidya avidya and maya and so forth is only a concession to the empirical view and only a device adopted for the purpose of teaching the truth metaphysically speaking neither avidya nor maya called into being by it ever existed as entities side by side with brahman nor is there any need for vidya to actually destroy either of the two hence sri godopada declares this is the whole truth there is neither dissolution nor origination neither a soul in bondage nor anyone that has got to accomplish one's freedom neither an aspirant nor release nor anyone actually released from samsara <clears throat> the ninth and the last point 
ఐ హ్యావ్ ప్లేస్డ్ ద వాట్ ఐ కన్సిడర్ టు బి ది సెలియంట్ పాయింట్స్ ఆఫ్ శంకరాస్ డాక్టరైన్ ఆఫ్ అవిద్య బిఫోర్ ది క్రిటికల్ రీడర్ హీ మే నౌ కంపేర్ ఇట్ విత్ ది అదర్ ఇంటర్ప్రిటేషన్ ఆఫ్ ఇట్ యాజ్ ప్రెసెంటెడ్ బై ది సపోర్టర్స్ ఆఫ్ ది మూలా విద్యా థియరీ అండ్ అరైవ్ ఎట్ హిస్ ఓన్ కంక్లూషన్ యాజ్ టు విచ్ ఆఫ్ ది టూ స్టాండ్స్ ఆఫ్ రీజన్ అండ్ క్యాన్ బి వెరిఫైడ్ బై యూనివర్సల్ ఎక్స్పీరియన్స్ ఆర్ వాట్ ఈస్ మోర్ పర్టినెంట్ టు ది ప్రెసెంట్ ఎంక్వైరీ విచ్ ఆఫ్ ది టూ ఇంటర్ప్రిటేషన్స్ ఈస్ మోర్ ఫెయిత్ఫుల్ టు దాట్ గ్రేట్ టీచర్ I have here merely inserted numbers indicating uh, my authorities for statements made. The texts themselves may be seen quoted in extenso in the corresponding portions of the Samskrita introduction. Coming now to the charge of plagiarism launched at me, I need only observe that even if it were true that I had actually drawn upon Nagesh Bhatta's Lagu Manjusha for my reasonings that in itself would by no means be an occasion for comfort to the advocates of mulavidya for it would only mean there should be there should be something wrong with the school of thought whose upholders keep mum so long in the face of an open attack upon their pet doctrine in point of fact however i never knew nagesh bhatta's allusion to this dogma when i wrote the works refuting it and now that i am reminded of it i do not feel at all called upon to exculpate myself from the baseless accusation for except for holding that adhyasa is the only avidya acknowledged by samskara and that the actual birth of apparent objects is not uh, count countenanced by that that teacher there is little or nothing in common between the two methods of approach to the subject i hope that this will be evident from a comparison of this introduction with the doctrines attributed to nagesh bhatta by shastra ratnakara shri rama shastrigal in particular nagesh bhatta's mode of reasoning about apparent objects does not come into line with mine that avidya has a beginning <coughs> that distinct as it is from brahman it must needs have a cause or in my opinion doctrines fundamentally opposed to shankara betraying a palpable confusion of the valuable concept of adhyasa with other ideas of lesser importance nor am i anxious to keep that scholars company in calling to witness authorities like bhamati in support of my position or in adopting dubious methods of interpreting quotations just to win my case if therefore i have never been the cause of any perturbation to the supporters of mulavidya my comparative study of the shankar bhashya and the commentaries is solely to blame in this respect we shall leave the manjusha at that for the present a more detailed examination of the nagesha's position i reserve for my shortly forthcoming samskrita work the vedanta prakriya pratyabhijna wherein i propose to include the study of all schools of vedanta down the ages so this ends this um, vedantins meet portion next we shall see in the next uh, 12th session sutra bhashyartha tatva vivechani we shall continue in the next uh, session that is in the 12th session so this ends the 11th session of introductions to vedanta texts by shri sachidanandendra saraswati swami ji holy narasimhapura again salutations to his holy feats sarve jana sukhino bhavantu om tat sat